The following is a production of SAK Digital Ventures. Welcome to Cigars and Sports Chicago, a place where you can sit back, relax, smoke a cigar, and talk about Chicago sports. Now, here's your host, Steve Cass. Welcome to Cigars and Sports Chicago, episode 33. This is the Potpourri of Issues episode. You have reached the best place for cigars and Chicago sports. Let me set the scene, as we generally do. You are at the best place for cigars and sports. It's called The Place, 5236 Main Street, Downers Grove, Illinois. That's the place, 5236 Main Street in Downers Grove. The place, in case you are not aware, and by the way, you are missing out and should be getting FOMO if you're not aware, it's a cigar lounge. It's a great place to hang out. You can smoke a cigar. You can watch a game. You can relax. You might even be able to talk to Phil and myself if if you're lucky. Follow us on Twitter at cigars and sports and you can get this show on apple podcast spotify amazon or wherever you get your podcast you know that you're listening to a podcast as always i want to introduce my co-host phil sullivan phil how you doing what are you smoking how's everything going oh boy uh going good smoking uh this evening i thought i'd try a nub triple roast with a cup of coffee it's kind of a good combo meal there short smoke uh, goes good with a cup of coffee. That's all I can say. Uh, I'm trying to prepare myself. I'm going out of town. I'm going to uh, what I call the great state of freedom. Uh, leaving uh, Thursday morning to enjoy uh, all the liberties and freedom that all Americans should have in every state that we don't have in this one. Uh, but no, since, since we don't talk politics, I'll leave it go at that. All right. Well, I'm glad to hear that you're off to uh, to California. All right, so we've got, I am, by the way, smoking a K by Karen Connecticut Toro. Um, like that thing, haven't smoked one in quite a while. But we have a whole bunch of stuff to talk about tonight. Phil, it's amazing. We're going to hit a bunch of topics. We've got White Sox spring training. We've got Mike Clevenger, which I think I want to start with. We've got the incredible addition of Elvis Andrews. Um, maybe we'll do a little lightning round like we did last week. We can even talk about the WBC, the World Baseball Classic. If we want, we could talk about the XFL. I don't know if you've watched any of those games. Um, I actually watched a couple, but I don't know if we're really going to talk about it. We will, of course, talk about the Bears' first pick. And maybe we'll even talk a little NBA. We had the worst game in NBA history this past weekend otherwise known as the All-Star Game. It's generally not even that bad. It was very bad this week. You know, It was like 279 to 250 or something like that. And the Bulls made a huge acquisition today in the buyout market getting Patrick Beverly. And, you know, we're not going to need to say much about that, but, you know, we'll say something about it. Let's go to White Sox Spring Training. Um, I guess, first of all, what is your take on this whole Mike Clevenger situation? The guy... 
spoke to the media. Rick Hahn pleaded that he has absolutely no options and that we just have to, you know, let the process play out. And then Clevenger spoke. And of course, he said that he didn't do anything and he's going to be exonerated. 670, the score had his former girlfriend, you know, who is the primary accuser in his case on. And she talked about, you know, what a crazy maniac that he is and about a whole bunch of, she alleged a bunch of drug use and, you know, abuse and all this kind of stuff. And then, of course, he comes back the next day and does a print interview and says that he's now going to sue 670 the score, which he won't. What's your take on this whole Clevenger situation, you know, kind of how we've gotten here, what we're going to do, et cetera. You know, I'm, I'm tired of these, uh, athlete celebrity mea culpas after they have done something heinous. Uh, I think, and and most of them come out to be true 99% of the time. So let's assume this one's going the same route. So, you know, what he did is, uh, what probably one of the most heinous uh any man that decides he wants to uh take his athletic strength and greatness and use it to beat down on a woman is to me probably about the lowest scum on earth but um my take allegedly. on a lot of uh, yeah okay well I I gave you my opinion of what I feel is alleged you know my take on this though it goes to Rick Hahn uh Rick Hahn is a guy that it wasn't more than a few years ago uh some of us at the Cigar Lounge and any other crowd that you talk to about baseball, in particular the White Sox, would have just heaped nothing but praise on Rick Hahn and the team he was assembling, what he was putting together. Uh, the White Sox uh, were going to be starting last year, but certainly going into this year, we're going to be, you know, World Series contenders. And then, you know, he starts it off, you know, with the great managerial choice that he chose. So, you know, he starts off by hiring a drunk. Well, he didn't do then, it, but well, Reinsdorf did it, but I get it. Right, Reinsdorf did it, but I mean, you know, and then going on to a pick like Clover, I mean, it's just, uh, you know, this team that everyone said he had assembled that was going to be a World Series contender is is certainly hasn't proven out to be what they say it is. Now everybody says it's because of injuries and all these guys are all still all-stars. But you start looking at some of these picks and you look at, uh, you know, Grandal or you look at, and you look at some, uh, I don't know, Rick Hahn is my big question mark, how he didn't, do a deeper dive into Clevenger and claim he had no clue of this stuff or if he did have a clue that he just ignored it. That's my big question mark is Rick Hahn. Well, here's the thing with with Rick Hahn. We know that the White Sox have been interested in Clevenger for years. That's one of the things that Rick Hahn does. I mean, it's like with Andrew Benintendi, we've learned all these stories now, and this isn't a bad thing with Benintendi, but how they wanted him in the draft and he got picked by the Red Sox, one pick in front of their pick, and that they've always looked into making a deal for him. They weren't able to do that. And they, so they've been on him, you know, for seven, eight, nine years. And, and it's the same thing with Clevenger. So wouldn't you think that over some period of time that you might figure out this guy's not a very good guy and take a look at what he did where he violated the COVID protocols and then he got suspended and got, you know, then he was ultimately traded as a result of that. Um, ironically, he uh, violated the protocols in, in Chicago, but I guess they just ignored that. Then take a look. Who's Clevenger's best friend? It's Trevor Bauer, 
by the way, they referred to themselves as Trev and Clev. So, um, you know, it would appear that you might have some indication that there is a character issue with this guy. They were clearly bidding against themselves because they signed this guy right out of the box. And and I don't I just don't get it. And that's not even so that's all water under the bridge. But here's the thing. Because Major League Baseball did not put him on administrative leave and he's in training camp and now Rick Hahn is pleading that there's nothing he can do about it. Of course there's something he can do about it. They can write a $12 million check and be done with the guy. Why do you have him there? And he obviously has proven that he can't control himself because he is he is now saying he's going to sue the radio station, not understanding, you know, what defamation is or, you know, what's the, he has absolutely no idea whatsoever. And think about it just from a logic standpoint. So he's allowed to say that she's a liar and that he's going to be exonerated and all this other stuff, but she's not allowed to state her case. I mean, that goes beyond the law. And I, and I, by the way, I agree with you. The one argument that drives me crazy is when people start saying, oh, well, he's innocent until proven guilty. That is a standard in a criminal court matter, which this is not. This is basically, should this guy be allowed to play on your baseball team? So you can come up with whatever standard you want. But the point that I believe that you made, that I think we have to accept that when it comes to celebrities in particular, you are guilty until proven innocent. Literally. I mean, look at you, Phil, you're a pretty open-minded guy and usually will say, well, I'm going to wait until all the facts are out or whatever. What are you saying? You're basically, you know, convicting the guy. And that's, I think, what most people do. I mean, I don't certainly, you know, I certainly don't have any uh, faith in the guy's character. And it's just ridiculous because, you know what, you made a mistake. Just get rid of the guy. Good God. Yeah, it's not going to play well. Uh, when, you know, if he, if he ends up coming north... Uh, after spring training, uh, th- I just don't think this is going to play well. I don't think local radio stations are going to play it well. You know, sports talk is not going to play it up well. This will not be good for the White Sox if they bring this guy up north at all. I am going to give Cigars and Sports listeners something that you're going to hear here first. If you look at the schedule and you look how it plays out the first week of the schedule – Guess what game that Mike Clevenger is going to pitch in? And I, and I don't see any way around it. The freaking home opener. Clevenger, it's the fifth game of the year, and there are no off days. Clevenger, and because, you know, sometimes in the beginning of the season, if you remember, you can make it a couple of weeks without using the fifth starter. They're going to need to use the fifth starter, and he's likely to be the fifth starter. And I wonder if they're going to come up with some kind of crap where they're going to swap the fourth and fifth starter so they don't need to, you know, put him in front of the home crowd. Can you imagine if they did that? I I just can't even imagine. Can we go to something more positive, please? Yes, let's go on to, well, yeah, we go ahead. Move it on. Thoughts on the White Sox re-signing Elvis Andrews to play second. I actually like the move, particularly if you consider the fact that 
they had no one. And I don't like the idea that you have a very, very unsettled right field, and then you basically have no good options at second base. It's true that Andrews has never played second base, but you know, I heard an interview with him, and he made a very interesting point. He said, you know, everyone's saying that I haven't played second base. He's like, over the last several years with the shift, I've played second base a ton of times because the second baseman goes into right field, and then as a shortstop, I play second base. So he actually has had experience with that angle. He was saying that last year, over the course of the year, he turned eight double plays from you know the the um, right side of second. So he does he does have maybe more experience that we had considered um he was a good bat good clubhouse guy obviously was not actually very good the last three weeks of the year but you know what i feel a hell of a lot better having old elvis andrews knowing that you know you throw in romy gonzalez you know once or twice a week and you throw in lurie garcia every once in a while if you have to i just feel like it's a better team the other reason i like it is is that if for some reason ta becomes injured you simply move andres over to short and then you you know you cover second so i actually think it's a really good move thoughts yeah i you know i don't think switching from shortstop to second base for this level of an athlete is a big deal uh, you know, the biggest thing, and you brought it up already, is, you know, how can he turn this, you know, double plays? And uh, even that, I don't think it's a big deal. I'm concerned about his age. If You know, he's a one-year stopgap because obviously the Sox did absolutely nothing to fill the second base hole with anybody of uh, long-term uh, potential or wealth for him. So I think it's pretty good. I You know, I was looking at some of his numbers, and one thing jumped out at me. I thought it was pretty interesting. So he played 43 games with the White Sox last year, and he hit nine homers. He's been in the majors for 14 years. He's hit 96 homers. So I thought that was kind of interesting. So he's averaged about six homers a year. And uh, last year, he hit nine homers in roughly a quarter of a year with the White Sox. You know, I don't know what kind of juice he was drinking for breakfast or whatever he did, but if he keep that up, that's pretty cool. Uh, you know, that would average out to a 35-36 home run season. Um, but once again, he's 34 years old, and he's averaged six homers a year, so I don't know if he's going to keep that up. Actually, though, at his peak in 2017, he and that is a really good point that you make, he did hit 20 bombs in 2017. So, I mean, he did show some power there when he was in Texas. He hit 12 in 2019, and in 20 yeah and 20 last year overall i mean the guy hit 17 home runs so he's got some pop um and you know at second base that's you know that seems pretty good i mean we'll see what happens but i do agree the guy the guy was very good um for the white Sox last year and i feel you know a hell of a lot better having him than i do um you know the other the other sort of non-options and you know, that obviously doesn't change the, the other issues that they have, but, you know, they were smart to come up with something like that. It's also pretty clear to me that they told him, hey, if you want, and he was a bargain as well, they told him, if you want $3 million bucks and you want to start at second base, there's a job here for you, and this is the deadline, because yesterday was, you know, he can now get all of camp in, and the deadline was, you know, the other night. So it's clear that he just said, you know what, there's not going to be a better opportunity for me to be a starter on a hopefully decent team and that's why he ended up coming here and i'm guessing for less money phil i'm going to do the lightning round with you um similar to what we did in the last episode with josh nelson i'm going to ask you a question you're going to answer it 
And then now you've caught me off guard with this, so I have no idea what this subject's going to be. So this should be interesting. This is the White Sox lightning round. You're you're going to have an opinion on every one of these, and the best thing about it is for you is that after you give the answer. We go to the next question. It's not about me debating your answer, even though I won't agree with probably most of it. I don't. I don't think you'll be able to do that. Who okay. on the White Sox will hit the most home runs? Luis Robert. You notice I didn't say Robert. Well, that's very good. Um, and by the way, you did have it wrong, though. I don't know if I mentioned this to you, but do you know that Luis Robert has a new name this year? Luis Robert is now known as Luis Robert Jr. It says on his jersey, Robert Jr. So he is now Luis Robert Jr. I'm not sure who Luis Robert Sr. is. My guess is that we'll find out at some point, I guess. Well, then we... the name, his name should be Roberts because now we know there's two of them. <sighs> Very funny. Um, who will be the White Sox comeback player of the year? So if you look at guys who underperformed, who were injured, whatever, who will be the White Sox player, uh, the comeback player of the year? Well, we got to go with Tim Anderson, I guess. Yeah, he was hurt, so we got to go with him. Okay, we'll let you have that. Uh, Dylan Cease is clearly White Sox best starting pitcher. Who is second? Uh, I think it's going to be Lance Lynn. Interesting choice. I wouldn't disagree. Who will play more games this year, Aloy Jimenez or Luis Robert? Uh, junior. Oh, so good. Excellent job. I even outsmarted myself right there. That was a really good job by you. Prediction for Yasmani Grandal's numbers. Worse than last year. So you think he'll be the worst hitter in Major League Baseball? Correct. He, he will be worse than he was last year. So you think he's going to have like a 300 OPS or something? And that's interesting. Okay. Um, I said I wasn't going to debate, so that's interesting. All right. Uh, prediction for Andrew Vaughn. I think he will have an improved year. I've, we've said this before. I think him going into being at a steady position, I think he's going to do fine. Well, no, not he's going to do fine. You have to predict his numbers. Oh, you want numbers yes. now. See, now you want to debate. Uh, I think he'll hit about 270. I think he'll pop for about 25 homers. I think he'll steal no bases. Um, I think you're probably right about that, even though it's going to be easier to steal bases with the larger bases. Will the White Sox win the division or not? Oh, boy, I want to say yes, but I think uh, Cleveland's going to give them a run for their money. How many wins will the White Sox have? I'm going to go with 84. I want to give my prediction here on that. I'm, go I'm going with, you. I mean, no one knows anyway, but I'm going with 78, and they're going to finish in third place behind both Cleveland and Minnesota. And, that's what, and, and they will do that with another injury-riddled season. Injuries are the key to everything, as we've seen in the last few years, especially with the White Sox. So injury-riddled season, or same as the last few years, uh, yeah, I would say 75 wins. Uh, you know, so it, you know, my prediction in the mid-'80s, uh, that's with a fairly healthy team. And that's even with Grandal sucking. Who will be the opening day right fielder? i got to go with the new guy. Uh, I think the rookie's going to be out there. Uh, no, I shouldn't say that. Uh, why am I going that route? Um, I think it's going to be Ben Attendee. All right, well, Ben Attendee's starting in left. So the... Well, the I think, oh, all right. Well, go ahead. Well, the right fielder, if you were going to say Oscar Colas will be the left fielder, if I had to guess... Who's going to be the, here's, here's my prediction. 
I still think Ben Attendee might play right. No, he's not going to play right. right. He will not play one game in right the entire year. He's a left fielder. He's going to play left field. They're not. They're not going to play guys out of position. That's not happening. Ben Attendee doesn't have the arm. He's not a right fielder. He's not playing right. The, I believe that Oscar Colas or Oscar Colas will not make the team. Um, out of spring training, and I think we will start with a platoon of Jimenez and Gavin Sheets. Interesting. Well, I got to do something with Sheets, so uh, yeah, that's interesting. I may be wrong, but you know, that's a deal. So the first series is four games against Jose Abreu's Houston Astros. How many of those games will they win? One. Yeah, I think that's that sounds about right. I think to me. He, I think Houston. Um, all year long, whenever they play the White Sox, will play at a all-star level. I think they want to bury the White Sox. Okay, pivot. So let's talk about the World Baseball Classic for a minute. It starts in on March seventh, um, and that are you know in uh, in Chinese Taipei, um, and then it starts on in the U.S. in both. Phoenix and Miami on March 11th. I'm very excited that I'm going to be at the opening U.S. game, U.S. versus uh, versus Great Britain, which should be pretty fun. I guess my question is, as a fan, are you interested in watching the World Baseball Classic? I'd have to say you'd be, you know, you'd have to be living in a coffin if you're a baseball fan to not want to watch it, especially this year. Mm-hmm. Um, there are. 67 Major League All-Stars playing in this tournament. 67. There's eight MLB MVPs playing in this tournament. Uh, It's just crazy. The talent is just off the charts for this tournament. And, you know, if you like sports and if you like, let's say, the March Madness, but maybe you're not a huge basketball fan, but plenty of people watch it. Uh, You know, if you like tournaments and you like sports, and you like to see the best playing against the best, um, you know, this is going to be something you don't want to miss. I think this is going to be an awesome baseball tournament. I completely agree. I mean, from the U.S. standpoint, I mean, look at the infield. You've got Pete Alonso, Tim Anderson, Nolan Arenado, Paul Goldschmidt, Trey Turner, and Bobby Witt Jr. So that's, you know, that's six guys there. you got four all – I mean, you got four – um, you got four infielders, and by the way, all of them are all stars. All of well, look them. At the, look at the outfield. You got you know you got oh my Schwarber, god, Murky Betts. You got Cedric Mullins. You got Trout. You got Kyle Tucker. You, I mean, it's just crazy. You know the team they put together. And the funny thing is, and this was kind of my point on this, is that the the, the U.S. is not favored to win. That's the incredible thing about it, because if you go to Dominican Republic and if you assume that pitching wins games, they have a far, far better pitching staff. It's not even close. I mean, they've got Sandy Alcantara, who had just a ridiculous season for the Marlins and won the National League Cy Young. I mean, you've got um, the Luis Garcia, got Christian Javier, you've got Rafael Montero. You've just got so many guys like on that pitching staff. It's not even funny. And then you know you look at you look at their infielders. Yeah, they got uh, Nelson Cruz, Rafael Devers, Wander Franco, oh uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Machado, um, <laughs> uh, Marte, Jeremy Pena. Juan Segura. I mean, it's just insane. 
They've got Aloy Jimenez in the outfield. Um, I mean, you, oh, by the way, yeah, they got a guy uh, named Juan Soto in the outfield. It's just this is going to be incredible. And if you remember some of those games in the last WBC, which was quite a while ago in Miami, when Puerto Rico was playing Dominican Republic, the the atmosphere was electric. It was like World Series plus atmosphere. I'll just tell you, I am extremely excited to watch this tournament. It's going to be fun. Um, I'm really glad that I'm able to go. Yeah, there's some interesting, you know, other players on some of these other teams, and I I had not heard that many All Stars and that many MVPs. I mean, you made a real impact. How many MVPs again? Eight. Uh, eight current MLB MVPs. You got uh, unreal. Let me see if I got him here. I think you got Goldsmith, Otani, uh, Freddie Freeman. I think um, yeah. Trout, Betts, um, who else? Uh, Altuve, uh, Cabrera. Who am I missing? Who am I missing? Oh, Kershaw. You know, so you know it's it's unreal. And you know, like you said with Puerto Rico, I mean Puerto Rico's come in second place. You know, in the last two WBCs. I think they're hungry. Uh, I mean, Japan, don't count that team out. That team's shooting for its third title. Um, you know, they've won it twice. So, you know, it's just going to be some, uh, you know, Puerto Rico's got a Puerto Rico's got a good team. I mean, Oh, ridiculous. You, you got Baez and Lindor in the infield. You got, uh, it's, they got some, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be a great tournament. Like I said, you got 67 major league all-stars playing in this tournament. Think well, about that. you know, one of the guys that you mentioned is Kershaw and actually Kershaw dropped out last week. And one of the things that I love about this thing is he was so pit. The Dodgers would not allow him to participate, you know, for obvious reasons, because the guy's been so injured the last several years. And, you know, they just told him it's not happening. And the guy was pissed. Like, you have never seen Clayton Kershaw more pissed about anything than the fact that they wouldn't let him, they wouldn't let him play. And, you know, you mentioned some of those all-stars, you know, outfielders um, for the U.S., and you mentioned the MVPs. Well, yeah, Bryce Harper also very much wanted to play. He's out for the first half of the season because of his elbow injury. But imagine an outfield with Mike Trout. <laughs> imagine an outfield with Mike Trout, Bryce Harper and Mookie Betts. That's probably the greatest three players ever to be in the same outfield of all time. I mean, it's just absolutely yeah. crazy. I'm really you know, excited. And then to watch. we got, you know, we got some, uh, you know, local interest there. You got uh, Lance Lynn. Uh, I think Kendall Graveman is on the team. Yep. Um, so. Um, Grandal yeah, Grandal is on the team. Yeah. He's playing for Team Cuba. Moncada. Right. The White Sox have as many players as anyone. Moncada is playing. Um, I'm trying to think of who else, and I'm actually going off the top of my head. Uh, Jimenez, as I mentioned, is playing for um, Dominican Republic. Um, TA is playing for the U.S. So, yeah, there's a whole bunch of guys. Um, I and think I, it would be uh, horribly disappointing if the USA doesn't get to the to the title game. I, I just think it would be, they, they got to, it would be fun for baseball. It would be fun for us, uh, to get them into the title game. Uh, but it's, uh, it's going to be a challenge. There's a lot of good, a lot of good baseball players out there. They changed the format this year. So when you get out of the, um, pool round, it's single elimination in Miami. So that's going to, again, just raise the stakes for all these games and make it really fun. So can we so talk Steve, about, I got a guy. I got a question for you yeah. around baseball. I'm going to catch you off guard here. Sure. I'm going to name 
uh, a couple of the new rules for baseball. Uh, and you tell me what you think is going to be the most interesting, the most interesting to watch evolve. Okay, the shift or lack thereof, the larger base bases, the pitch clock, or the amount of pickoff attempts. Which one do you think is going to make for some pretty exciting changes this year? Well, to me, the thing I'm looking forward to most is obviously the pitch clock because it completely re-engineers the entire game. I mean, basically, it's going to affect every pitch of the entire game and not only does it affect the pitcher i think the one you know these rules have been talked about so much and i think the one thing that people forget the most about the pitch clock doesn't only affect the pitcher it affects the hitter so these guys who have been used to getting out of the box and doing the batting gloves thing and you know putting their hand behind them you know to get the umpire to call timeout and all this other crap like that's not happening anymore 15 seconds nobody on 18 seconds with a runner on base. So to me, um, I am most looking forward to the pitch clock and I'm most looking forward to getting out of the ballpark, um, you know, before 10 o'clock for, for a nine inning game. How about you? Uh, yeah, I, well, anything to speed the game up. You've known my opinion of the pace of baseball over the last, let's say 10 years. It's just been horrible. Uh, leaving my house at four thirty to get down to white Sox games, at a decent hour, a little tailgate and get into the game and then, you know, leaving at 1030 in the sixth inning uh, has been no fun. I just, that that needs to change. But the thing I'm going to like, this new pickoff thing is going to be very interesting. I think, I believe I'm correct. You get two attempts and if you try a third attempt and you don't get them, it's a balk and the runner gets to move along. So picture if you're a decent runner and this guy's tried you twice now you're playing a head game with him. Is he going to try it again? Do you take a bigger lead off uh, because he doesn't want to try to balk? And then do you, I mean, it, to me, that's going to be uh, some interesting chess matches there on the base path. It's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, I really agree with that. And you know, it's interesting. I heard a podcast interview uh, last week with Theo Epstein, and he said the reason that they did that was they thought that it was a necessity because with all of these rules. And if you can sort of think this through, they sat and brainstormed on the unintended consequences. And one of the unintended consequences they thought of the pitch clock is that maybe you're going to have pitchers now throwing over to first a bunch of times in order to, you know, just take longer and, you know, get more recovery time in between pitches, that sort of thing. So that's why they limited the throw over to first. And I do agree with you with that and the, you know, and shortening the distance between the bases as a result of having larger bases, there's absolutely no question. There are going to be more steals. I'm going to go as far to say uh, this, this is going to blow your mind. I'm going to make a prediction. I think that year over year, there's going to be a hundred percent more steel steel attempts from last year until this year. I think it's just going to happen um, all the time. I think you're going to ha- have guys stealing 40, 50, 60 bases. Um, it, it could end up being really interesting. Of course, the unintended consequence there is that, you know, will there be more injuries? I don't know, but I agree. I think that's a good, I think that's a really good point by you. I'm excited yeah, for all of it. The only thing I didn't clarify, if you read the way it's written, you know, on the third attempt, if you don't get them, they said it will be considered a balk. Now, if there's a runner on third, does that runner score? 
or is it just first to second? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I can't answer that, but I believe that it's just first to second. But being the fact that I cannot factually um, answer it, it, you know, we probably got to do a little research on that. Um, we will be finding out very soon as uh, spring training games here will, uh, you know, begin in a few days. Um, but yeah, you know, one thing too that I wanted to bring up that I think is interesting and particularly interesting because so many White Sox players are in the WBC is the fact that um, in the World Baseball Classic, they're going to play with the old rules. So no pitch clock, no bigger bases, all that kind of stuff, the old rules. So it's going to be kind of weird. You're going to have guys coming into camp, preparing for the new rules, then leaving. And by the way, being with their WBC teams for a few days, getting ready and then playing in the old, you know, with the old rules in the tournament and then coming back and turning it around and playing with the new rules. That is a little bit weird. Maybe it won't matter, but it may matter. So it's interesting. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna matter to the pitchers. That's for sure. Um, you know, the base path being big or the shift, they'll get used to it. But I think the uh, pitchers is definitely gonna make a difference or an adjustment period. So let's pivot sports here for a minute. So a lot of talk in the media, particularly in the national media, that the Bears should trade Justin Fields, pick Bryce Young, restart the quarterback clock um you know what is your what is your take on i guess what the bears should do with the first pick what about the quarterback situation kind of where do you stand as we're you know a number of weeks before the draft well you know you know the bears got what every team wishes for and they might regret their wishes um you know they got the number one pick um a old Lovey Smith, a trip to Hawaii or something. You got to give that guy a bonus for something for pulling that off for the Bears. But, uh, you know, it's a damned if you do, a damned if you don't. Justin Fields, my opinion, still some question marks as a drop back passer. Um, he's going to need it. Uh, I'm running quarterbacks are exciting, um, but we saw a running quarterback in the Super Bowl that you know, didn't do as good as the other quarterback. That's a little more inventive. Um, but, uh, you know, Justin Fields, to me, still has some question marks. Uh, I'm not blaming his drop back and his habits with his receivers and everything else. So we'll see. I mean, they, you know, they, they, they take a quarterback and get rid of Fields and he turns into a superstar. Doesn't look good. Um, you know, he, he goes somewhere else and you know, plays a little average. That I mean, who knows? It's a crapshoot. And you know, I I want Justin Fields to succeed. And if he stays with the Bears, I hope to God he does. But uh, yeah, it's an interesting draft. And then you know, whether they trade up, do they trade up once? Do they trade up twice? Trade down, yeah. Um, I trade down. I mean, um, you know, they got the opportunity. They could easily do it twice and pick up a lot of picks. They've got a lot of money to spend. Um, but boy, they're they're in a position. The Chicago Bears have never been. They're in a position. A lot of NFL teams have never been in this position between their draft pick and their salary cap and the money they have to spend and the needs they have. You know, they got a lot of needs. So they got to fill them and they got to they got to hit it right. It's pretty funny. They have almost double the amount of cap space that the number two team has. I mean, imagine that. My take on the first pick is I remain the same as I have been for, you know, a number of weeks, which is um, 
keep Justin Fields if for no other reason. If he goes somewhere else and he succeeds, um, and then the Bears have to look at that and they pick a guy who doesn't succeed, I don't think you can ever recover from that PR nightmare. Um, I also am high on Fields, and it's not like there's a surefire lock quarterback. So I would stick with Fields. You know, I would get into that number. I'd get that number two pick and hopefully get the 12 um, along with it that the Texans also have. And then I trade down again a second time um, and go and, and, you know, trade with, uh, you know, with, with Indianapolis and, and trade down twice. That way you still get one of the defensive guys, Carter Anderson, um, and you get a whole bag of picks. And I thought it was interesting that the athletic in their most recent um, draft analysis had that exact thing. The Bears trading down twice to two and then to four. So um, at least I have some company there, but that's what I want them to do. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it makes perfect sense. I mean, they, like you said, like we both said, they got the money so they can get all the picks they want and they can sign them all. It's not going to be a money issue. Um, so it's just, once again, it's as it always is in the NFL, it's a crapshoot. There's been fourth and fifth and sixth round quarterbacks that have turned into absolute studs and there's been first round picks more than average that do not. So we'll see. Phil, I know you love the NBA. So, um, did you watch the All-Star game? I did not watch one minute of the All-Star game. Well, I thought the All-Star weekend in general was really good. I even liked the All-Star game draft where they had LeBron and Giannis drafting their team. The one part I did not like of All-Star weekend was the game. I thought the game was absolutely terrible um there were almost 400 points scored every shot was uncontested um usually you know toward the end of the game they really start tightening things up and actually it can be very entertaining basketball this was not this was literally like the pro bowl like the quality of the game was a complete joke and they got to figure out a way to rethink that because that did not go well like you you can't you can't do that but all the other stuff i thought was really was really great um and what do you think about the uh having lost six in a row chicago bulls think they're going to make the playoffs win the championship any thoughts on that well i mean it's it's pretty funny that they go you know after all these losses and then they go and get patrick beverly uh you know who's a Good guy, but he, you know, he's a Chicago native, Marshall High, all that good stuff, public league guy. Uh, he's 34 years old, classic Reinsdorfian pick. You know, let's get some guy in the sunset side of his career and let's see if he could cement the Bulls into purgatory. So let's get a player that maybe, maybe, maybe they could squeak into the eight slot and get us in the playoffs and guarantee that we got an 18th pick in the draft, which will get them nowhere. Um, Yeah, I think the Bulls are going to be in purgatory for a number of years. And, you know, once again, I think grabbing this Patrick Beverly, uh, so they say, to possibly get a playoff push, which would, you know, at best would be a 7th, 8th seed if they go on a good run. Um, I don't know. It's just disappointing as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, um, it's interesting. You make an incredible point. Um, 
you make a really, really interesting point about that in that they've submitted themselves into purgatory. You know, first of all, I'm not willing to say that they're even going to get into, you know, a, a play in spot, which is seven, eight, nine, and 10. Um, Patrick Beverly, the pickup is almost ludicrous to me. Pa- Patrick Beverly is a guy who, in his prime, was a good defender. He's a high energy guy. You know, he's gonna, you know, he, he's a kind of guy that just gives the team energy. He'll get you some steals, you know, in his prime played, you know, above average defense. He could hit a three, you know, not a great player by any stretch of the imagination, but now he's going to start. I have absolutely no doubt that he's going to be the starting point guard. So he's going to displace IO. And by the way, I don't think IO is a great player by any stretch of the imagination and has not certainly improved this year, maybe as much as we would have liked from last year. And, you know, so he's going to displace IO. He's not going to get any more minutes, which, you know, that, you know, again, that sort of is what it is. So I'm not sure that it even makes them better. And if it does, it's exactly what you're saying. It's going to get them into the play-in round, maybe into the playoffs, which would be, you know, the, considered to be the top eight um, after the, the play-in games are over. And you're absolutely right. Like, if I were the Bulls, I, I would just tank. You know what I mean? Like, I would just... I would give minutes to Dale and Terry. I'd probably give more minutes to Kobe White and Io, and you know, I would just see what you have, and and probably just tank and get into the lottery because the pick that they traded for um, Vucevic, which is a protected pick, if they get in the lottery, they've still got that pick, and if not, they don't. Which is why I think your point is really good about the purgatory thing because. That is precisely what they are doing, and um, I don't know. I mean, I guess it'll be fun for one night watching a new player, Patrick Beverly, when they introduce him from Chicago, but frankly, I don't care. The guy wasn't even a great player in his prime. He's fine. You're going to see that he's a hard worker and that he yells at his teammates and you know holds guys accountable and that kind of thing, but give me a break. Like Why yeah, they did I that, mean- I have no idea. Especially, you know, and then you look at his age, and someone's oh, 34 is not that old. You know what? I was looking today at the uh, prospects of the NBA draft, and of the top 40 proposed picks, 32 of them are freshmen in college right now. Freshmen. Yep. So these are guys that are going to enter the NBA at roughly 20 years old. So, you know, you, now you got a 34-year-old that's had, what, I think 13 seasons of an NBA schedule and NBA travels and the rigors of the physicality of the sport. Um, going against 20-year-olds, not even close. It just, uh, you know, yes, I know you get your LeBron Jameses and you get your Tom Brady's and you get your Aaron Rodgers and you get your few athletes that can extend it, you know, beyond the averages of most athletes, but they're rare uh, they don't come around long, but I was shocked how many of these players are one and done uh, that are coming out of college that are going that have made themselves eligible for the draft. So it's a young man's game. There's no way 20, 20 year old legs won't run circles around most 34 year olds. Um, so we'll see. But like I said, I think the Bulls. I, I agree with you 100. percent They shouldn't have took them. They should have just said, "Let's go into the tank mode here." Yeah, I mean, I'm less worried about the age, but yeah, I mean, it just doesn't. I mean, it's just a bad move. Phil, 
That's uh, episode 33 in the books. Thanks for coming to work today. Sugar Magnolia, blossoms blooming, that's all empty and I don't care. So my baby down by the river, who should have to come up soon for there? Sweet blossom, come on, under the willow, we can have high times if you look back. Of nature, rolling in the rushes down by the riverside.